0: Support for this podcast comes from Healthnetics. Do you have nagging aches and pains from your younger, more athletic days? Healthnetics CBD is a premium brand CBD that may help take care of aches and pains, as well as relieve anxiety and sleeplessness. Healthnetics products are all-natural, THC-free, made in the USA, and undergo third-party lab testing to ensure quality and purity. All CBD is not the same. Order today with a money-back guarantee at healthnetics.com and use promo code SPORTS for 20% off.
1: You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network.
0: It's Monday. What What is it? Monday, the uh, 11th of March, 2019. And this is the MMA Hour right here on MMAFighting.com. My name is Luke Thomas. I'm the host of this program. Thank you so much for joining me. I greatly appreciate it. Fun show planned for you guys today. The order's going to be a little bit strange, a little bit turned around, but here's what's going to happen. All the show elements that you know and love. We'll get to tweets with the hashtag the MMA hour. Your calls at 844-866-2468. I have a, I have a very special Monday morning analyst today, though. But we have uh, not three, but four guests because we had a late edition. Uh, Alexander Gustafson is going to be here to talk about his fight against Anthony Smith. We're going to have Mickey Gall I heard something about his physical condition. It got me a little bit concerned, so I wanted to have him on the show to talk about it. Clay is going to be here because he's fighting BJ Penn at UFC 237. And uh, Hallett Gracie, it appears he is trying to resurrect Metamorris. Is that so? Is that even possible? We'll talk to him about that today on the show. Plus a whole lot more sundry topics like UFC Wichita and the like. So uh, thank you guys so much for joining me. I hope you're doing well. It is, in fact, Monday. And, uh, yeah. Um, Did you like the fights over the weekend? They were okay. They were okay. They weren't bad. Um, My ESPN Plus feed kind of died on the Vine. And people were like, oh, uh," because it died on my phone. I have the Google Pixel 2. And then it died on my, I have a new Samsung TV. It's not even a year old. And it's got, you know, all the, um, it's got apps built in. And, of course, you can add other ones. Both died. Everyone's like, oh, it's your router. Well, how could it be my router if my phone's not connected to my internet at home? So, can't be that. Or it could be that ESPN+, Plus, while a mostly decent service, if not outright good, still a little buggy. Still got some problems. So, uh, aside from that, though, the fights were fun. And it was nice to see, like, a vintage JDS get out there and get a win. And by, frankly, dueling with um, Derek Lewis. So... There you go. And then this weekend, you've got Masvidal versus Till, which should be a lot of fun. Back to ESPN Plus there as well. So we're going to see how things go. This might be fun. So here's how it's going to go. We're going to start out with some tweets, and then we're going to get to Clay. We're going to have to break up the sound off. I didn't want to do that, but we're just kind of stuck in that position. So we'll do sound off. Then we'll get to uh, Halleck. Then we'll get to Mickey and then I'll do the Monday Morning Analyst in the second hour of the show, and then we'll finish off with the rest of the calls. When we put it on YouTube, we'll stitch everything together, yeah? All right, with that in mind, let us kick off things here on the show. Let's start today with a round of tweets. All right, five minutes on the clock. Clock starts when the first tweet goes up. Let's see on the screen, because I have to be able to see him as well. What do we got here? Oh, no, that's the Skype machine. (laughs) There we go. All right, kick it off. Let's do it. Clock starts. There we go. Uh, What do you think would make the biggest impact to the legitimacy of MMA? One set of unified rules for the world, union for the fighters, refs having a central association that can speak on their behalf. That would be a big one. Or changes to the scoring system and judges. Uh, The union one would be the answer, quite frankly. The other ones would be beneficial except for the same unified rules. You want the ability for... For example, if you have a North American promotion or even a European promotion, you are largely going to be limited by what the governing – not bodies, but the states allow. So, like, you can't just straight up change the rules when you go fight in Oklahoma. That reduces the ability of a competitor to innovate on the rules – Relative to the UFC, one is not hampered by that, so you actually want to keep that around, but it would be the Union. That touches so many different issues. It wouldn't solve all their problems. It might only make a small dent in some, but it'd be a big dent, and really, that's what's missing. That's what's needed next. Uh, Is JDS resurgent, or is the heavyweight division just a mess, and he's one of the few left standing? Um, maybe a little bit of both. I do think he has reinvented his style or at least accommodated his style in certain ways, although there wasn't much evidence of that on Saturday night. Again, as I indicated, it it was very much throwback JDS. But here's what I would say. Heavyweight, more than other divisions, allows for comebacks. The fighters themselves are older, which I think indicates that there, If you are a reasonable talent there, which I think you would all call JDS a reasonable talent, being a former champion, you can have several acts over time. That's not really possible in the lightweight division. It can be possible if you switch from, like, welter to middle or middle to he- light heavy. But you can stay at heavyweight and just kind of rotate through some of the newer faces. And if you're good enough, you can get a second and third act in this business. Next. Uh, if you were Derek Lewis, would you change up your game plan going forward? After a great run, he's had a rough stretch. He just lost a two. He lost to the champ and a former champ. No, Derek Luce is what in his mid to early thirties. Like there's changing up much is not possible at this point. He kind of is who he is. There might be some things he can do to accommodate his back pain or his unique susceptibility to it appears to body shots. But no, I would just stick with what got you here. It's you, you can't like you can't learn how to speak Chinese very well in your thirties. You got to learn that when you're very very young and then build that over time. Next. Do you think the Daniel Cormier versus Brock Lesnar fight will happen? If it doesn't, what is DC's next fight? Jesus, man, I don't know. I don't know what the hell's happening with that. Brock's doing whatever the hell he's doing. DC's still recovering from injury, as he indicated on this show. If it doesn't happen, what is DC's next fight? I would love it to be against John Jones. I wouldn't even mind a Stipe fight, to be honest, but I don't know that it has to be the priority. Next. What's the worst combinations of toppings on pizza you can think of? Um, the worst combo. I don't mind Hawaiian pizza. I don't know that I love it, but I don't mind it. I would say black olives. I, and I love olives, but the, the black ones they put on pizza, they're gross and like sardines maybe, something like that. Those are pretty bad. Next. Uh, would you like to see Nico Price versus Robbie Lawler? Boy, Nico Price, is he a born finisher or what? Wow sure sure that'd be a lot of fun mix it up nico price man he he wins he wins in devastating fashion remember his hammer fists on uh, randy brown and now this and he's had a number of other finishes that are just violent he is an incredible finisher he's built for that next uh dan Raphael reported disclosed salaries for pbc boxing's event porter versus ugas Porter made 1.25 mil, but there were two fighters that made 1K. One, they made 5K, and two, they made 8K. In the UFC, your very first fight, you are guaranteed 13500 between your show and gear. Is there a question there? Oh, yeah. In the UFC, you can become a millionaire without even having 15 professional fights in boxing. 95% of boxers have to have at least 30 fights to hope to make that much. That's overstating it. But is the UFC over-villainized for their pay structure? No. Uh, The issue is not that. The issue is the UFC is better about creating a healthier middle class of fighters. But when we talk about who is the most robbed or who is the most underpaid, a lot of people think it's the guys who are making 10 and 10 or 20 and 20. No, it's the guys at the top because they're not getting the maximum amount of what they're probably entitled to were they in a different position. So it's a bit of a change-up. It's good to have this middle class. It's not so great to have the ones at the top not really making those big dollars. Next, with Holloway versus Poirier 2 on the horizon, what areas in both guys' game do you believe have improved the most since their first fight? Do you think Holloway's wrestling defense has surpassed Poirier's wrestling offense, and how does Dustin handle Max's striking volume? What a great, great question. Well, they've both improved dramatically. Let me finish this one while we call Mr. Guida. Here's what I would say about this. Definitely for Poirier, excuse me, for Holloway, his takedown defense has become borderline impenetrable. It's amazing. That has really done a lot for him, both in making guys stall out against him and in being uh, bringing the other parts of his game to life, which is his distance management and his jab, and then his, sort of the way in which he adds volume over time. The key there, really, the, 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 the glue that holds that together is his takedown defense. By contrast, Poirier has really dialed back the brawling very, very good defensively, good judge of distance, still has that potent power punching. I don't think he's going to try and really take down Holloway. He might try to mix it up, but for the most part, I think he's going to, they're going to fight this one at distance. So for me, Poirier's really got to do damage early. Holloway doesn't check a lot of leg kicks either. So that should be something you should watch out for. And how much can Poirier limit the stance switching? Man, there's a lot. There's a lot. All right, let us get to our first guest. Uh, I haven't talked to this gentleman in a while. I think the last time I talked to him was when he fought maybe in Fairfax, Virginia. I could be wrong about that. I saw his parents there. They could not have been nicer. Let's recap with him now. Uh, the, uh, The one and only Clay Guida is here. Hi, Clay. How are you?
2: I'm
0: doing good, good. I'm uh, Yeah, yeah. Well, I appreciate you making some time for us. Your parents, I met them at your fight in Fairfax, Virginia, if I'm not mistaken. Are they still coming to all your fights?
2: Oh, absolutely, man. My parents come to all the fights and we need them down to Brazil for this one, but uh they try, they try to stay you know, stay state side. So we might keep them back home in a uh you know, doing party obviously, but um and then you know if they're not in the person, they're always
0: there by corner, just like you guys are. Man, you, you they uh, for folks who may not have been there, they had correct me if I'm wrong, Clay. They had T-shirts, they had signs, flags, the whole nine yards. I've I've never seen. Well, maybe Tyron Woodley's mother is also kind of like that, but it's pretty rare, man. Yeah, you know what
2: they uh, they go to drastic measures for all the fights. Man, they're my uh, my biggest supporters. My biggest fans and they're my best friends, so, so I really love having having them nearby, having them follow. And uh, you know, they're, they're always right there in my corner. They can hear me around the a country, no
0: matter where the world. They're always right there with me. Hey Clay, real quick, is your phone on speaker by chance? No, it's
2: there. Do you have it on speaker?
0: No, no, it just sounds a little bit muffled. Not sure what that is exactly, but it's okay. We can roll through it. Just wanted to see. Uh-huh. Um, is this a little bit better? Yes, yes it is. That sounds great. Um, right. Okay, so, so let's get to it, man. You're taking on BJ Penn. When the UFC called you and said, hey, we want oh, you to fight Mr. Penn, what, what what went through your mind?
2: Oh, man, you know, first of all, yeah, I mean, all the incredible fights that BJ put on, he paved the way for not just the lightweight division, but pretty much the UFC, you know what I mean? Um, he's done so much for the sport, so much for, you know, so many up and coming fighters, and uh, I was just so excited and thrilled that they would ever offer us a fight like that, and I could not turn it down because that's not, you know that's not our style. We accept every fight with open arms and to, uh, to fight compete against a legend like b j um, He's more than just a legend he's you know one of the creators he's a a, a pioneer, and you know he's a prodigy for a reason, so we're we're super excited about this matchup.
0: Okay, so let's just be honest about this conversation. I know what you're going to get out of it. You beat a guy like BJ Penn. That looks great on your resume, no doubt. Certainly, I'm in no position to challenge all the nice things you said about him. But he hasn't won a fight since 2010. Do you really believe in your heart of hearts that that this is a guy that should still be competing?
2: You know what? Someone brought that to my attention the other day. Um, It was a close friend of mine. He's a huge fight fan. Uh, He's very knowledgeable about the sport and I couldn't believe it when he said that, you know, it's been 2010 since he won a fight. Um, so, I mean, it, it's kind of hard to, you know, believe that. It's it's hard to think that, you know, a guy that was, you know, a former two-time champion, uh, you know, in lightweight and, um, you know, and welterweight, you know, hasn't won a fight in, you know, nine-plus years. It's pretty pretty incredible. But, um, you know, what? having, uh, you know, getting in the cage with someone like DJ Penn, is um you know it's an opportunity you can't turn down and you know he's the only one and his camp and his family are the only ones to say you know if he you know if he should be competing or not so that's totally up to him i'm not in a position to say that so um i'm accepting the fight and um, we're going to put on a show for the fans
0: do you um for, I, I when this fight was announced i was like ooh that's a it, there are some interesting elements here I saw a lot of people saying, well, that's this is going to be competitive because Clay's going to go into BJ's guard. Now, you might. We never know how the fight goes. But I actually feel like people are sleeping on your striking here a little bit. You were going toe-to-toe with Brian Ortega for a long time. Obviously, things didn't end up your, going your way, but you showed a lot of great striking there. Do you think people are forgetting about your striking a little bit?
2: Um, yeah, you know what, people, you know, everyone knows we're going to wrestle in every fight. We always get it to the ground, or we try to get it to the ground, you know, whether it's at the beginning of the fight, first round, uh, if it's towards the end of the fight, I would have been uh, well advised to take it to the ground <laughs> against Ortega, you know, towards the end of the fight, but, uh, you know, it came up a little bit short in that one, uh, unfortunately. And uh, our, our striking game is definitely coming around every single day out here at Team Alpha Male with, uh, you know, my boxing coach, Joey Rodriguez. You know, um, our striking coaches, Chris Holdsworth, Danny Castillo, Mike Mallott, Um, we're getting much better on the feet every day. And uh, we're always improving our stand-up game. So we're more versatile every camp, every fight. So expect to see, you know, you know, put it on the feet. And definitely, you know, I'm, I'm always going to wrestle. That's what uh, we're, we're born and raised to do. So it's def- this fight's definitely going to go to the ground. And we're going to definitely have to watch out for a slick guy like, uh, you know, who, BJ, who's dangerous everywhere. He's got... Tricks up his sleeve, and he's one of the most dangerous fighters. I don't care how old he is. I don't care where the last time you want to fight is. That guy could, you know, slip a submission on you from any time, anywhere, any place.
0: Yeah, thinking of that, though, um, what would you say his submission threat is the strongest? Closed guard from, like, finding his way to the back? Where do you think he really is the most dangerous in that consideration?
2: Um, I definitely think his transitions from, um, you know, from his guard to taking a guy's back, whether it be, you know, an arm drag or... um Excuse me, you know, hopping up and you know, snapping you down, going behind, whatever it may be. He's definitely got. He's very versatile down there, and um, he's a. He's been out. He's been down there so many times, and you know, he was the first. uh, What do they say? The first American um, Brazilian world champ, or something like that, or you know, won a won a Brazilian world title or something down there. Uh, Yeah. So. He's, he's got a lot of, lot of tricks, and uh, we're, we'll be expecting everything, but we'll be well prepared for everything he has.
0: Yeah, he was the first American to win the Mundiales, the World Championships, way back when. Yeah, yeah that, that, he and goes. the guy's black belt in four years, too.
2: <laughs> that's, in, that's unheard of.
0: Wow. Uh, all right, so uh, the going to Brazil part, here's what's interesting. Are you going to be the hero or the villain down there?
2: Man, I've, I was going to ask you guys, what do you think? I mean, uh, we fought Brazil before uh, we fought a Brazilian down there. Um, didn't go too well for us, but you know what? They, they were super, super supportive. Um, so I feel like, um, we're definitely going to be welcome down there. Um, I've heard that BJ is training down there. So, you know, he's got a huge, um, Brazilian fan base and he's a fan. I'm sorry. He's a favorite wherever he goes. So, I expect the uh, the crowd to be cheering for both of us. And, you know, the crowd can definitely expect an amazing fight. And I know we're going to put it out of the line, as always. So I, I don't know if I'm going to be the favorite or the villain in this one. That's a tough question.
0: My my hunch is that with BJ being who he is in the game and then training in Brazil with some of those guys down there, he's probably going to be the fan favorite, but I guess one never really knows. Um, let me rewind to his last fight against Ryan Hall. Is there a whole lot to read into that? Like you and Ryan Hall probably have opposite games.
2: You know what? It's very, uh, like almost complete opposites. Um, he definitely goes for the takedown, but in a different way. He kind of shoots and, you know, he pulls guard. Um, I'm always, you know, looking, you know, to take top position just because of my wrestling game, my ground and pound, um, like, in a, you know, pass the guard, you know, take the guys back. Um, Ryan Hall is just, you know, he's a master, just like BJ is. Their ground game is so next level, but you know, like you say, once you get on top and you start raining down punches, things, you know, the whole tide of the fight changes real quick. So, um, I hope BJ's leg is okay. I know he's training hard for this fight, and uh, I'm glad uh, you know he accepted it. And I'm glad he put it out there, and I know it's going to be uh, it's going to be incredible. So I hope um, you know Ryan's doing well too. I know he's going to have a big fight after coming off a huge submission win over BJ Penn. So I'm I'm definitely uh, interested to see what he has next as well. What does a
0: win over Penn get you?
2: You know, it gets us back in the you know in the win column, having you know a, a, a finish is what we're going for over BJ, obviously, just like every fight, um, being, you know, beating, like I said, not even a, not just a legend, he's a hall of famer and, you know, having a, a win over BJ Penn, like, uh, you know, someone like that is, uh, it just, it puts you in the next echelon. I don't care how old he is. He is the, you know, he's the creator of the lightweight division you know, in the, in the early, early modern day, if you will. You know what I mean? Him, him and Jens Pulver, they paved the way for us. You know, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for guys like them. So that gets us, you know, relevant again. And it gets us, um, you know, back into May talking about, you know, maybe a top 10 guy.
0: You know, your last fight was in June of 2018. Were you out for any injury? Were the right matchups not coming? Like, how come where there was relative inactivity? Only one time you fought in 2018.
2: Yeah, it was just, uh, yeah, there wasn't a whole lot of, you know, a lot of fights. Um, we'd been trying to fight, um, you know, in the fall, <laughs> excuse me, after the last one. And, you know, the UFC is so busy now, and there's so many athletes under contract. It's uh, it's just kind of hard to get fights right now. So um, we took our time. We waited for, you know, the phone call. And once we got it, we jumped at the opportunity.
0: Clay, how are things going at Alpha Male? I looked at your Instagram before today's show. You seem to be fitting in right in there. Tell me how it has been since you have made the move.
2: Um, you know, I've been on for about four years now, and it was a very, very smooth transition. Um, Uriah Faber does a great job, um, you know, with his facility. I call it the, the mecca of MMA. Um, he's got a new facility. It's almost two years old now, and it's really a one-stop shop. You know, you got um, your... He, you know, he runs it like a college wrestling program because that's you know his pedigree. He's got a wrestling background, all sorts of wrestlers, you know, from Chad Mendez to Cody Garbrandt, Darren Elkins, uh, Andre Feeley. Um, you know, the list goes on and on. Lance Palmer. Um, it's just there's so many top level. Uh, Josh Emmett's got a big fight coming up. Um, so you know, obviously I'm a wrestler, so it's natural for me to you know, you know, to uh, be attracted to a place like this. And you know, like you know, the coaches and you know former fighters like Danny Castillo, they they really really run this place. Um, you know, it's they got it so dialed in, and um, hopefully they're going to be expanding in the near future. But uh, it's it really is um, it's a perfect fit for me. More of a you know wrestling base, and you know they know how to utilize my strikes and my takedowns and um, get the fight to where we want it. So it's been um, it's been a perfect fit for me so far in these past few years.
0: Have you, when you moved there, did you inherit any of the um, team? Alpha males got a lot of guys everybody loves, but it's not, you know, it's not some secret that they had some beef with uh, T.J. Dillashaw. That seems to be mostly behind them at this point. But when you move there, sometimes guys move to a team and they kind of inherit that beef. Did you inherit it in any capacity, or did you just sort of stay away from it, one way or the other?
2: Oh yeah, you know what? I was here before Um, all that beef started, so you know T.J. is a friend of mine, so I don't get caught up in any of that stuff. any of the drama, not my, not
0: my place. Um, do you, you know, I, I asked Uriah about this, but I think he, I think he had some family thing going on. What do you make of the ongoing, um, I don't, know what do you want to call it? Dispute between Justin Buckles and his assessment of what happened with Cody Garbrandt and, and the gym generally. Do you have any comment about that?
2: Yeah, you know, same here. I, I stay out of that stuff as well. I just focus on um, what I have, you know, at task and, uh, you know, and my teammates, and that's uh, that's all I can, uh, you know, <coughs> excuse me, that's all that I stay focused on and um, that I, you know, wrap my hands around.
0: Fair enough. So let me ask you this then. This I think you can speak to. You've been there four years. Can you speak to your technical development while you've been
2: there? Yeah, my, my game is definitely um, – definitely been uh, improving every single day. It's uh you know, every, you know, people saw me coming from from uh Jackson Winklejohn out to here and they see the improvement in my stand up. You know, you saw it a little bit in the in the Ortega fight. You saw it in the Eric Koch fight, uh um Joel Lazan fight. So expect to see it, you know, unfortunately we had a, you know, we got a little bit um rear ended in the uh you know my last fight. Last June in Chicago, and I'm looking to you know make make good on that fight, this next one. So you can definitely see an improvement in my hands, the stand up game. But uh, always realize that we're we're a threat on the ground, and we're getting we're getting better every single day. So it's definitely been a good fit out here, and um, yeah, I'm looking to you know get back to the old ways of the carpenter, putting these guys down and, uh, and ground and pound them.
0: Well, you know what? If your parents can't make it all the way to Brazil, I know they're going to have probably the best watch party anybody could ever hope for. So we got to get pictures of that one way or the other. Uh, Clay, wish you nothing but the best of luck. You don't need it. UFC 237 on May 11th when you face BJ Penn. And thank you for making some time for us today. We really appreciate it.
2: Uh, the pleasure is all mine. Thank you guys so much. I always appreciate the support. Uh, check out our brand, our supplement brand, com. Check us out at Instagram, Clay Guida. Thank you guys so much, and uh, I can't wait to get in there and scrap it up with uh, a legend like BJ Penn. Thank you guys so much. All right, see you
0: Thank you. Thank you. Very good. Uh, all right, time now for the sound off. All right, let's go to my boy, Danny Segura, who thinks he's El Tigre on Instagram, just out yeah. there posting all his highlights. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm out there breaking ankles, son. Uh, all right, we're going to do this in two parts. I don't know if we have to play the intro twice, but it doesn't really matter. Um, yeah, we we can skip that. We don't need to play the intro twice. All right, so you heard the calls. You screened them. You got them ready for today's show. I did. Tell me about them. They were pretty good. We got a lot of submissions,
3: uh, a lot of late submissions. I mean, guys, get, get, it, get them in on Sunday night because, you know, Monday mornings at, you know, 10 minutes before the show starts. A lot of people
0: do that on Mondays, man. I've noticed yeah. that. They're like, I left a message at 10 a.m. It's like, probably not going to make the cut. Probably. Yeah,
3: it's 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 kind of hard to, uh, you know, get, get all that sorted out last minute. So right. get them in early and, uh, yeah. Early bird gets the worm. Exactly. All right. All right, well, let's get started um, with UFC Wichita. Okay, let's do it.
2: What did you think about the Ben Rothwell decision? Do you think he got robbed? Let me know what you think.
0: You know, I wasn't scoring that in real time. It looked to me like Ben clearly took the third and definitely did the better damage. I know that Rothwell was cut, and Mm -hmm. so he was bleeding, but he just seemed to me to be doing the better damage overall. But I've not looked at the stats, and honestly, I didn't really start – Asking myself who was winning until halfway through the third, yeah and halfway through the third rothwell was was chewing him up, I guess I was surprised, but I couldn't go to the mat, Danny and make a real argument about either guy. What about you yeah, I thought he took i thought he took the second and
3: third, but i mean the the it was tight it it was tight, but it wasn't it wasn't like tight enough for me to be like. Oh, um, you know, I don't know who, who's going to get it. I, I thought going into it, I'm like, oh, Ben Rothwell should get it. Uh, but the fact that it went the other way, like, I'm not surprised with with, with the judging. You're like Nate Diaz, but, you're not surprised? Uh, yeah,
0: I'm not surprised. You know, it, there was a couple of strange calls. Uh, yeah. Marion Renault not even getting one full judge's scorecard. That one surprised me a little bit. Yeah, I'll be honest I, about I that. Tuned,
3: I started tuning in for the main card, so um, I didn't get to... To watch a lot of prelims. I'll catch up on the prelims on...
0: Yeah, like, her her losing is not a scandal. It was just that she only won one round on all three judges' scorecards. I found that a little surprising, to be candid with you. But, Mm -hmm. all right. I mean, mean, it is what it is, right? Uh, I guess so. To borrow from Max Holloway. It is what it is. That's probably the most used uh, sentence in MMA. That's lingo, I guess. It goes through phases. For a while there, it was in the mix, you know? Now we're off to it is what it is.
3: Trending in a in a good direction. I guess, That's also I guess. another one. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, well, let's talk about judging now. All right.
1: Hey, Luke and Danny. This is Alex from Orlando, Florida calling. Um, so Florida. Florida. I personally think that the judges made a horrible decision with the Ben Rothwell and Blagoy uh, Even off-fight, especially since the significant strikes were pretty much even, and Rothwell was doing almost all of the advancing. Um, so I know you've touched on this before, Luke. But can you discuss how you feel about judges in MMA today, any possible solutions um, to bad decisions and fighters getting robbed by judges? And also, do these judges even have any prior fight experience? Thanks, guys. Appreciate you.
3: I would go out there and say most judges don't have any prior fighting mm-hmm. experience, not even any training mm-hmm. Um
0: that's accurate, right? Yeah, so here's to your point. Again, these are just numerical totals, so you have to judge for yourself what these mean. Blagoy Ivana versus Ben Rothwell, 19 to 9 round 1, uh 29 to 28 in round 2. That round 2 is dicey, and then Ben really took over in round 3, 33 to 24. These are all landed. Um couple of responses. Number 1, there is no hope. And I and I'm not trying to be like weird or rude or difficult about it. Remember, we have we have entrusted MMA um, and I'm actually working on something about this. Danny, MMA has an innovation problem. Um, The major reason is because we have entrusted the government to innovate our rules. That sounds inherently idiotic, but it is exactly what we have done. We did it to preserve the sport's literal ability to stay alive, so it made sense. The problem is we are now in a space where the sport is evolving, and boxing's rules kind of were established over time for a narrower field of combat, They've mostly worked out. We do not have that in MMA. So we have innovation problems two ways. Number one, it's uneven. So Nevada might have instant replay, but they've got the old hand-down rule. Or uh, there's another way you can look at it, which is um, there's simply not enough innovation. And that includes with judging. So here's the issue. You have asked Nevada and California and New Jersey, and in this case, where was this one? Wichita, Kansas. You ever been to Kansas? No. You know what you're missing? (laughs) I know what you're gonna say. Nothing. nothing. You are missing. They call that fly. Yeah, I'd like to go to Kansas. They call that flyover country for a reason, bro. <laughs> okay. Um, in any event, people in Kansas are super bitter right now. Sorry, uh, don't live in Kansas. Anyway, the the reality is this: you have entrusted these government entities to innovate their rule set without any other authority mandating it. Dude, this is never going to happen. It's never going to happen. You have a current rule set that is so wide in latitude, think about this, that you could decide one person won, and I can decide another person won. Think about that. If you have a scoring criteria where two people can have two different winners in a contest and... Your subjective experience about where you sit, what you heard, what you saw. You have no ability to look at any uh, metrics, to go back and, and double check. You might have a combative background where you didn't fight, but maybe you trained jiu Danny, which I know you did. That might either inherently or not affect your judgment. You have no ability to go back and change a call. So we have instituted through the mechanism of delivery of scoring and the way in which we uh, interact with the world, this... epistemological, um, pipeline that has made it so wide in latitude. Um, it's, it's never, it's so open to interpretation. There's almost no such thing as a bad card almost. And then on top of that, the government's in charge of any rules innovation. You are stuck. You are stuck. And also last thing on this, well, do the rule, do the fighter, do the judges have any combative experience? I do not care if they do. The, yeah. the role of, i'll let you go on this one the role of judges somewhat overlaps in terms of expertise with the role of fighters but they're very very different and just because you're a good fighter does not mean you are a good judge yeah exactly um
3: and that's one of the things like even like people like us like that work in media like i, I hear the argument all the time like you know do you even train like do you you know everybody should fight you know in order to report on it like no uh, you know that's, that's totally not true you can totally report on something you can totally be knowledgeable about something without you know having to get in the cage right um, but yeah in order to fix this what, what do you think about having uh, five judges and I don't know if I don't know how to get into MMA as, as judging but like I would I would like for it to be have like a trial where like you sit somebody down like you know somebody knowledgeable say like you know John McCarthy obviously he's not involved anymore but mm-hmm. um You know, you sit a few judges down, you make them watch some fights and then see how they score those fights and then and then be like, all right, is this, you know, and then and then ask them, why do you think you scored this, you know, this way? And then see if, you know, if 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 their judging criteria is 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 somewhat accurate,
0: you know? Right. So uh, this I get asked this question all the time or Luke, what do you think about open scoring, which Glory, by the way, uses in kickboxing? What do you think about X? What do you think about Y? Here's a very basic answer. Um, We can't know the answer to any of these questions. You might be right, Danny, that five judges might be better than three. I know New Jersey has experimented with what they call silent judges, where they're in the back just watching on a TV. How do those scores differ from the ones who sit cage side? Is there a real Hmm. um, experiential difference there? I don't know what kind of results they came to, but I know they tried. But the answer is this. uh, Until we get enough data through direct experimentation, it is impossible to know. It is impossible yeah. to know. And I have said this. In areas where the UFC goes to self-regulate, why not experiment? That's true. Why yeah, not? You're, true. Nothing put, is stopping you. Put in five you. judges. See, see how it goes. And they don't. They, they're yeah. the only ones who can do that. Not the only ones, but they're a big driver of potential innovation. And they yeah. abdicate their role. And until someone else does, I don't know what to tell you. Dude, and it, and it sucks
3: because, like, one one fight can make a huge difference in your career. Look at Ben Rothwell. He's been out for, what, like, since 2016? Yeah. Three years yeah. almost, right? yep. Yeah. He comes back. He has a pretty good performance. He looked good out there. Um, and then, And he's strong. Yeah. And then, you know, he gets uh, what I thought it was a bad decision. And then, you know, that that can, you know, especially in the heavyweight division, that could lead him a different path. Yeah. If he would have gotten a, a, a win, maybe, I don't know, fight JDS, you know, I don't know. But, like, it would have definitely put him in a, in a good spot. And at that age with the long layoff, like, he needs every fight counts at this point. And money. So, and money. Yeah. And money, too. Yeah. So there's definitely an issue there, and, uh, you know, I'm with you. There needs to be some experimentation. That's the only way to figure out what works and what doesn't. That's exactly correct. All right. Well, let's talk about the main event uh, with the time that we have. We had two callers to just two fights. So we'll just do – we'll just share the thoughts on that one fight and then move on to the next. Okay. Sounds good? All right. All right. Here's the first.
1: Hey, Luke and Danny. This is Andrew from Georgia. Driving through Marietta right now, Luke, just past the square.
0: Sorry to hear that.
1: Wanted to talk about the fight night in Kansas. It was excellent. Michael I was a little tired laying on the couch, and then Tim Meems and Nico Price got in there, and I was jumping up and down, yelling. I was more fired up than Brian Campbell watching those three main fights. It was excellent.
0: This guy's pure Georgia. The question
1: is, after Junior Dos Santos win, I want to see Sando's. him fight Francis. I think him and Ngannou need to fight. It was supposed to happen. Can we please make this fight happen? What do you guys think? I, I just don't know what else to do with him besides the trilogy with Stipe, and I don't think that's going to happen. So, anyway, have a good day, fellas. Talk to you guys later.
0: All right. So, hey JD, there, you y'all. That was a great call, My by My hound was out there on the porch just yelling <laughs> at the moon. Uh, okay, I would say um, I'm all in favor of it. There are some interesting questions about uh, what you do with Blades, Volkov, and Overeem because they're occupying a space sort of somewhat in the middle there. Um, but I would say if you want to do JDS versus Francis, I mean Blades is coming off that loss against Ngannou. He's right? got some fight lined up. I'm not sure. Yeah, he is. He's got some fight lined up. I'm not sure exactly who it is. Yeah, and Overeem just got announced with some gentleman. I forget his name as well. I don't know. I don't know what uh, Volkov is up to, but. Um, But sure, I mean, like in theory, would I want to see JDS versus Francis? Yeah. Dude, and here's what I said on on Fright Night, and I think it's true. If you go back and you watch how JDS beat Ben Rothwell, he was jabbing to the head, jabbing to the body, lateral movement. He was on his horse the whole time. Bro, he kind of had a gunfight with old Derek, and he won. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of shocking, to be honest with you. I was, for all the talk about him reinventing his style, which I do, and not reinventing, but, like, accommodating it. Yeah. Bro, he went out there and just slung the dogs with him it was awesome to watch yeah it was sick and i felt like
3: at first he approached the fight that way but i feel like at some point during the fight he figured out man if i pressure this guy like you know i can hurt him um you know he landed a few shots and and we saw you know Derek kind of get wobbled a little bit not not too not too bad and then after he landed that body kick uh that's when he's like i felt like in his mind he's like okay i got him and he, he he had that switch yes um but, yeah, I think, I think JDS definitely, like, this whole time we've been talking about, you know, Stipe, Jones, Cormier, and then Ngannou won. Then all of a sudden, he's in the conversation. I think you need to plug in JDS right in that conversation. I think whatever plans uh, you have, the UFC has with the heavyweight division, mm-hmm. I think he needs to be involved as far as the title, like how you sort this out. Well, right? he came into this
0: fight ranked, what, eighth. Yeah. This idea about him being in the title picture, I'm not saying he's too far from it. I'm a little less convinced a right necessity. Yeah.
3: Dude, he's he's on a three fight win streak. That's yeah. as good as it gets in heavyweight. You know, he'd just be a
0: former title challenger. That's true. You know, I don't know. I would just, the thing is, like a fun fight would be Stepe versus JDS, but they already ran that back in Dallas and Stipe ran through him. So yeah. it's like, you know, there's no real cause for a third one. All right, you wanna do right, one we'll, more real quick? Yeah, yeah. And then we'll do part two later.
3: Wait, so, okay, yeah, yeah, you're part right. Part two uh, of those, second. So let's, let's tackle the other part of, uh, you know, JDS's uh, potential fights. All right. Uh, this call was really creepy, but... Uh, hey, that Luke, sounds like one of our listeners. great, yeah.
2: calling from Cleveland, Ohio. Yeah, I was wondering, um, with the win over Derek Lewis over the weekend, uh, does a JDS-Stipe 3 fight as a title eliminator um, make sense? That way Stipe can get back in the octagon and maybe make a statement. And uh, maybe JDS can cement a new run at the title after that A loss. All right, thanks again, man. Uh, keep up the good work. Um, and uh, Danny, I like your mustache.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> nice mustache. Bro. <laughs> Bro, the ladies and the dudes love you. To my Chipotle. I'm yeah. the mustache.
3: Yeah, I'll grow back the mustache as long as you don't ever leave a call like that again. Dude, I was sick to that, that last made, night. That I made like, my day. Bruh. That made my day. That was creepy. That was creepy. Uh, so what do you think? No, you not in a sh- trilogy no. fight? Because they are
0: one-on-one, right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, JDS won a war the first yes. time, then got smoked the second. Yep. Um, no, not really that interested. To me, it's like the second one is probably a lot more indicative of where they are today. Yeah, I'm much more interested in like Stipe versus Francis too. To be honest with you, mm-hmm. at this point, um, I think Curtis Blades has a fight lined yeah. up, but a Curtis Blades versus Stipe. I'm a little more. It's something fresh, I guess, is the answer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, I don't have. I'm, again, they may go a different direction, but you're asking me personally where I'm at. I'm looking for something fresh. Yeah, I'd rather go the Ingunn right. That, and by that, the way, that, and, that and, and I know fun. I said real quick. I know I said yeah. look at something fresh, but I also said Francis. Yeah, but. Francis's resurgence kind of makes it fresh for me, but I could be wrong. For what JDS and Gano? For uh, Francis and Stipe. Oh, yeah. I mean, his resurgence. I feel like there's still questions
3: about that. There uh, are. I think he 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 has improved since that fight, but I don't know if we have like a completely different fighter. I'd like to keep that those two away from each other at right. least for a bit. All right. Uh, I'm I'm down for JDS and Gano. Put that fight wherever yeah. it's, you know DC ends up fighting Brock. You know number one contender or whatever it is, but yeah. m- make it happen. All right. Let's do I only have time for a few more of these, so we gotta okay. burn through them, sir. All right. Well let's get let's get into it right away. Um there's a big fight, big welterweight fight happening happening this weekend, so let's talk about that. Okay.
4: Hey Luke. Name's Chris calling from Smyrna, Georgia, home
5: of the Campbell Spartans. You should be familiar with them. Yeah. Luke, what I want to know is... They have lice
0: at that high school. Uh, with a
1: win on Saturday night, would that put Darren Till back in the title picture? Or do you think
5: that it's too much, too soon coming off his loss from Woodley? The UFC has spoken about uh, Till Usman in the past. What do you think that puts Darren Till? Hmm. Thanks.
0: You have to beat Game Bread thoroughly to get my respect. Lots of people have eked by him, but... If you – and that, that, that's that's hard to do too. You really want to make a statement, you got you to gotta viciously KO that guy, which, by the way, very hard to do or submit. Extremely. I'll say this. Yep. You go and you finish Jorge Masvidal, to me that is extremely impressive. Yeah. If you just beat him, I don't know, one more fight. I'm not sure against who, but maybe Askren or something.
3: Yeah, I mean, I feel like the line is quite long and you already have a title fight set up between Usman and, and Covington. Then you got uh, – um the guy who beat Curtis Millender, right? Um, oh, Elizu El- Zaleski El- Dos Santos? Yeah. Yes. He's on a— He's uh, awesome, right? Yeah, he's he's sick. He's on a current, like, seven-fight win streak, right? Ben Askren is back in he the He looks Knicks. like a La Liga player, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Plays for, like, Girona or something. <laughs> Sporting <laughs> yeah. hee Yeah. Yeah. Uh, dude, I don't know. And what's what's up with the 170? I thought, you know, Darren Till said he was going to go up to
0: 185 after his uh, title well, fight. Well, I mean, I, I, these guys, I think they figure out, well, you know what? Here's a couple tweaks I could make, and if I get this big— Dude, you're fighting Jorge Masvidal in a main event in London. Like, it's big doings, and I think they feel like I'll lose position if I make the uh, There's a lot of fear about moving weight classes. That's yeah. why these guys literally get forced into it by health complications. Um, so it's just, you know— a lot of lessons learned the hard way, I guess. Yeah,
3: but I think if he beats Jorge Masvidal, even with like a vicious KO, I I still think he's a bit far from from that title fight. I think he, he's at least you know two more fights after that. So yeah, yeah. I don't I don't see a an immediate because also like his his title fight with Woodley was so one sided, you know, uh, with some with someone we consider obviously an elite, obviously being a champion. So you know, I don't I don't think they'll plug him in, you know, that quick. Yeah, agreed. All right. You got time for one more? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Uh, you want to talk about Daniel Cormier or Tony Ferguson? Um,
2: or
0: Ooh, Tony. Okay, let's do Tony. Tony's always
2: hey. fun. Hey, Luke. My name's Cass from Oregon. I'm a big Tony Ferguson fan. I was just wondering um, what you think he should do next. Like, what's his next fight? You know, it's kind of sucks that he's not in the title fight. He's my favorite fighter. I'm just wondering what you think he should do next, you know? All right, thanks.
0: Um, I think he should see what happens with Holloway yep. and Poirier. See what Holloway is going to do at 145. I think, um, and see what Khabib's going to do. He can't. There's just not enough. I mean, I know that's not a satisfying hey, let's answer. See what Connor's going to do well, well. Okay, but I'm saying there's just not enough information to know at this point. If you're yep. going to pass up that, you gotta you gotta let some you gotta let some events transpire and then make a call based on that. Because, yeah. dude, I know we had that debate about the the interim titles. Here's the thing: If Max is not going to give up 145, let's say Max beats Dustin, or let's say Dustin wins, is it really crazy to think that Tony might get next if Connor doesn't come back and Habib needs a fight? Like, I know these are a lot of ifs, but is that crazy? It's not. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not crazy. So I I mean, I I don't know what I don't know what to tell. Basically,
3: what you're asking is it crazy to see an, an interim champion get skipped over? No. And, and and in no. these circumstances where
0: the guy hasn't lost since 2012. And he was another interim champion right. or whatever that's worth. It's just so – it's bananas. It's bananas. Yep. I don't know I don't know what the roadmap is here. I think he just has to figure out, let these let these things uh, transpire and then make a read based on the available cards you've been dealt.
3: Yeah. At, at this point, you can't make any possible decision. I mean, the only decision you could probably make is fight somebody else, but I don't think that would be a very smart one because I don't think it does anything for you at this point, even if it's Santa, Alaya, Quinta, you know, a top dog, right? I don't think it does anything for you at this point. Uh, at this point, you're looking at the winner of Holloway and Poirier and then see what happens with, with Habib. So, just wait it out, man. I mean, I that's, agree. that's how you can do. Uh we have any more? Yeah, we got more. Well One more very quickly. All right. Uh, this is a fun one. Let's talk about uh, weight classes. Okay.
1: Hi, Luke. My name is Chris from San Luis Obispo, California. Um, Home with Chuck Liddell. My question is, it that's seems right. like a lot of UFC title fights in recent memory have been pretty decisive. Uh, the only exce- exceptions coming to mind are maybe Rose and Joanna, um, DJ and Sahudo, and Romero and Whitaker. Um, but I'm, I'm, just, my question is, what divisions in the UFC do you think are the biggest shark tanks right now, and which ones do you think have a competition that's a little bit closer to championship level? Um, I feel like it's a good sort of thing to evaluate um, every year or so as as uh, the sport progresses and all that. Um, thanks for thanks for answering. Have a good day.
3: So I think basically what you meant with like the second part is like what what divisions do you see the belt sort of switching hands, and what divisions do you think the belt will sort of be steady with with one champion? Uh, I still think there's a lot of unanswered questions at one hundred and fifty-five. Right. Well, let, let's start. Let's start with the with the big boys, heavyweight, Shark Tank
0: or no semi, semi. I think there's some questions about Francis's resurgence. Stepe believes with another crack he could do some work. Um, yeah. DC DC is getting older, although he beat him in a round, but. There are some interesting questions there. Sure. Okay.
3: Yes. I think that, especially after DC retires, man, that's going to be a bloodbath. Yeah. yeah. Light heavyweight? No. I mean, let's be no. real. No. Yeah. Chan- uh,
0: Jones is going to hold on to that for a It's going to take, gonna take a mistake or yes. something catastrophic. Right.
3: For Middleweight. Shark tank or
0: no? Um. Yeah. I think so. we got a lot of young. You know what? There's a lot of youth there. Yes. Which is why that gives you some intrigue about, and then, you know, let's see what happens with Romero and things like that. Yeah. They're, they, Paulo Costa. Yeah. I would call that a shark tank. Sure. Mm-hmm. Shark Tank. Definitely, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, but just that, that ju- just, just changed hands, hands right? I mean, proof of yeah. proof of concept there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right, uh, one fifty-five. I think so. Hard to say. Habib might be very dominant. It's not clear. Yeah. But you know, Tony Ferguson, Max Holloway, Dustin. There are enough questions out there. Yeah, those are tough bastards, man. So, yeah. one forty-five. Um, no, I think Max is head and shoulders better than everybody. Now, Volkanovsky's mm. interesting. Yeah. Let's see how he does against Aldo. But if Aldo puts him away then no, there's really nobody who's, comp- who's competition. By right. the way, quick parentheses, I, I hate that fight, but anyways. You know let's... what? I, I, it's very hateable, but I love it only because Aldo is like, oh, oh yeah. I'm sorry, you a contender, you a contender? Mm, I, lo- I just love that fight. On him. paper, it'll be fun because yeah.
3: both are fantastic fights. I, lo-
0: I don't like what it does to the di- division. It tears it up yep. if, he, if he wins, Aldo wins, but I just love his competitive ambition. That's what I mean. Yeah, I respect that, for sure. Okay. All right, 135. Shark Ooh, Tank. Shark Tank. TJ it? Absolutely, Shark Tank. I mean, I know Cruz yes. has been out for a while, but that's kind of interesting. What's going to happen with Marlon Marais? What's going to happen? Aljamain Sterling. Cejudo. Yeah, absolutely. And then flyweight doesn't exist.
3: Uh, I suppose. You want to? <laughs> <laughs> All right, women's featherweight. Uh, no,
0: I mean, whatever. Yeah, I, I mean, there's not even a tank, yeah. right? Yeah, I mean, the Nunes <laughs> went up there and just, you know, yeah. crushed everybody. 135. Um... No, I think Amanda's better than everybody there too. Really? Yeah. I think you if you Shevchenko know, were still there, I'd be like, eh, but I think Holly
3: can can maybe maybe. You know, the stick in, and move, maybe. maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Cardio, five. rounds. Yeah, it's an
0: interesting. It's an interesting yeah, fight. Toughness as well. Um, so semi. I call it semi. Yeah. Uh one twenty five bro.
3: completely. They got nothing for yeah. they got
0: nothing for Valentina. Shevchenko is I respect them too. Else. I do they're all good fighters, but that they are, yeah. You're talking 100%. about a generational talent in yeah. Valentina Shevchenko. Shevchenko's one of the best fighters in dude, I think she beat Amanda, the second time they they fought, to be, yeah, to be quite yeah. honest with you,
3: and considering like what Amanda has done recently yeah. with Cyborg, like that just makes it even,
0: you know. And then 115 Shark Tank, absolute Shark Tank. I think so too. Um, I, I think so. I, you too. know, you got you got you got some hierarchy there, but dude, Tatiana Suarez on her way up, um, yep. Cynthia Calvillo is on her way up, like yeah, Livinha Souza, yeah, a lot. She's There's a lot there. of really good yeah. talent there. So yeah, man, there you go. There's an answer to the question for the gentleman from Oregon. Uh, as always, you can call up Danny at uh, 844-866-2468, international callers, the MMA hour at voxmedia.com to send a voicemail clip. All right, so this is why I'm having Halleck on the show. Obviously, Metamorist, uh ended with a little bit of controversy, more than a little bit. But uh, on Instagram, I saw that they were trying, or it appeared they were trying to get it going again. Now, that is interesting because, as you know, they had a, well, let's just sort of lay it out here publicly. They were years ago when they did uh their first show even their second show well they did a bunch of shows and they did six shows and they did like a challenger series but those first couple of shows they i think uh i'm not they didn't invent it but they really put into motion professional jujitsu events you have fight to win pro ebi you've got polaris i think this coming weekend they got it by the way polaris has a great card on ufc fight pass this weekend and on and on and on But then they ran into money problems. You had AJ Agazon taking over their Instagram account, people accusing them of not being paid, not just uh, competitive athletes, but guys who paid for uh, entry into the challenges services. And when the events got canceled, they never got um, their money. And a lot of people are kind of upset. I've been looking at some of the comments in the Instagram post, and there are some positivity, but there's a lot of negativity as well. And I want to see what the situation is and what... The response because it seems like there's an indication, I could be wrong, that they realize that they have a debt that they owe and that they need to pay that before they can move forward. I will say, though, there does appear to be some nostalgia about them um, based on what I have seen. I just think folks want that wrongdoing put away. So we'll see what they have to say. All right, let's go to him now. I don't know what the truth is, but I want to have him on to see what the situation is. We have him on Skype. Yes, I think we do. Let's go to him now. It's Hallett Gracie. There he is. Wow, that
5: was quick. How's it going, Luke?
0: It's going well. You grew your hair back out.
5: Yeah, it appears (laughs) I have. (laughs) Well, I was looking up photos
0: today to get the post ready for the interview, and all the recent photos, you had no hair. And there was one of you in a gi, but you had hair, and I was like... Well, I don't want to use the old one if this is the new thing, so I, I didn't pick it. But your hair is back, so there you go.
5: Yeah, I'm not. I, I'm not concerned with my life in the public eye as of late, so I'm not. You know, but yes, the 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 hair is seems to just be a natural fit at this point. So, yeah. How are you doing? How's everything? I'm all right.
0: I'm tired. I'm so I'm so tired. I could cry, but uh, that's a story for a different time. All right, let's get into it. So I, I saw on Instagram. <laughs> The Metamorphs account got going again. And then there was a lot of activity in the comment section. So let's talk about it. Is Metamorphs coming back?
5: Yeah, so you know, uh, that's the goal. And I think people kind of misunderstood a little bit what we were what we were saying, what we were trying to do. Uh the chapter two reference is essentially that you know, with my the time that I've had to kind of recuperate from a lot of the the emotion and a lot of the stress that that we really went through, frankly, in this this whole process um, of trying to kind of keep things afloat and keep things going despite a lot of financial stress. But being able to take that time off and look back and look, you know, in the moment at what we really have, Um, it's been, you know, the, the, the thing that's been coming up is that, you know, there's, there's a life for Metamorist that, you know, uh, is way longer than, you know, what, what I, you know, what I guess I even anticipated initially. And, you know, chapter two is a reference to the fact that, you know, we've learned a lot. We've made a lot of mistakes. We've, you know, gone through things that we couldn't even anticipate. And, uh, you know, we we're aware of the fact that that's essentially a first chapter in a book that, you know, could go 10, 20 chapters and, or longer, you know, uh, so the, the focus for us is to just acknowledge and, and help people realize that, you know, we're, we have every intention of doing the best that we can. And, you know, for me, Luke, I'm in a place where, I have the ability to just wipe my hands and, you know, file bankruptcy. And I'm, I live in a different state. Actually, I'm, I'm in a, I'm in Colorado and I'm enjoying it and life is beautiful and I'm physically and mentally, I feel really healthy, uh, you know, and so I'm in a place where I could just walk away. And I'm, and again, I'm coming back to the idea that, you know, it can't, it it doesn't make sense, you know, and it, and it never really did make sense for it to end at that point. And so it's just becoming more apparent to me that there's still life. There's still energy. We're getting, uh, we, we, in the last year we've had 11 million viewership hours on our YouTube channel and we, we haven't done anything. We haven't even posted a video in the last year. So it's been uh, it's been incredible to see that there's still this pulse, there's still this energy, um, you know, with the content that we've created. And then I look at the industry, and I look at, you know, the culture and what's happening, and the people that we've inspired. And I can see that a lot of the organizations that we've inspired are still not pushing the industry to the level that we were pushing from the very beginning, uh, you know, in some ways very frivolously and in other ways, you know, very, very on point in terms of our ability to really push the boundaries of jujitsu, you know, and, and drive the interest that I think is really necessary for us to, you know, help the game evolve. And I look at a lot of other sports that, you know, could either could be less boring than submission grappling, but they have this established franchise and they have this established culture that is feeding the athletes and is creating a a really strong, um, you know, presence, whether it be in the market or just culturally for people who are excited to to participate. So I think, you know, for me, like as a human, uh, I wouldn't embark on this. I wouldn't continue to do this despite all the ridicule if I didn't feel a deep like I actually feel like it's necessary. I feel like I this is not happening. No one is doing this. So who's actually going to do it if no one is taking that responsibility? If we have a bunch of leagues that are going to play it safe and not really build the culture and take those risks that are necessary to really Leaps and bounds grow the industry and and to calculate everything that's necessary and you know process the data that comes in in real time and have the guts to kind of deal with anything that can come up. And you know that's something that i've I've always felt inclined to do. and and even now, you know, it's been like four or five years since an event happened, you know it's still something that we're we're, you know very much, I'm excited about, and I look at, it and I'm like, man, this is. Halik, well, you know, like, let, well, let me stop you there because
0: there's. let me stop you there because I want to get to all of that. I want to make sure you have your say, but I got a thousand questions, so let me let me start getting to some yeah. of this. I, I went through that. I I watched, I think, virtually every Metamoris, including some of the Challenger stuff. When you say that there that you guys set the tone for all of this, uh, I think you're right. I think you did. I think uh, though I think Metamoris does not get the credit it deserves for pushing the market to where it is. However, let's start with some of the things that happened before we talk about what's yet to come. You mentioned some of those mistakes. Mm. It's not a secret that you guys ran into financial difficulties. In fact, you'd mentioned it, I think, on one of the Instagram comments that you guys had run into it, that your investor had pulled out either before or after the second event. So let's get to it. Mm. Is Metamorus in debt? And if so, what are the plans to make sure that everyone who has not been paid gets their money?
5: Yeah. Thank you for asking that. Yeah. So we are, uh, the company is in debt and, um, the plan to be honest is, uh, there's, there's kind of a two, two phase plan or two front a double kind of, um, uh, plan if you will, or two sides to the plan. The first side is we need a financial partner and we need a business partner who has the experience and the fortitude and the qualities necessary to help us grow a company from a million dollars to 15 20 million dollars someone who has that experience uh, and that could be on the operation side and it could also be like business development operations but then you also have a financial partner who's actually invested who cares who's passionate about jujitsu who's willing to actually put the money necessary to really take something from where it is now to what it really can be and what I believe it can be, uh, which is not an easy path and which, you know, like any endeavor requires the the right amount of fuel to get it there uh, with that vision, you know, as long as that vision is, is, is actually there and is shared by those people collectively. So I've been looking for the right partner for a long time. I still to this day don't have the right financial partner and I don't have the right operations partner. So that's... That's a big piece. Right. Another big part of it is being able to actually work with the athletes and say, look, what can we give you and what can we do to make this move forward without us being in a place where we're completely out and that, you know, we want to work with you and we're willing to take the steps necessary to pay you off. Whether that be a first payment, whatever it may be, and moving towards that process of saying, look, you're more, you're on the inner circle, you're on the inside of this in a way that a lot of these athletes won't be. And we understand what you went through. But ultimately, as a general rule, we're here and we're not going anywhere. And we want you to know that, like, yeah, this wasn't something that we did on purpose, but at the same time, we understand there was a mistake made and we understand that you're you're the only way forward for us. So it's a dialogue. It's actually getting into the nitty gritty and, and working it out. And for some people that may be, hey, I need my money right now. Great, you know, and, you know, to be frank, a lot of the people that really have made any noise and who have kind of went out against us online are people that are owed a lot less money, you know, and the people who are owed more money have, you know, in some ways, been very supportive and been aware of what we've been going through, and have been very patient and known that I never really had the intention of you know doing that. Which of course you know int- intentions can be dangerous and all that we've heard it. But they know me, and I've had d- dialogue and I've been in communication with these athletes. So, and there are very specific athletes who haven't wanted us to succeed from the very beginning. And so you know, for them, like for example, AJ, we owe him a thousand dollars. Talk about and AJ Agnesorm, out, right? AJ Aghazam, yes. And so we owe him $1,000. And he goes out and says, basically, don't support this event on Metamorph 7. Live streams it from his phone to siphon revenue from us so that we cannot continue to do business and pay athletes in real time live on the show when we owe him $1,000. So if you look at his motives, for trying to trash our brand and take over our Instagram and tell us that he's what he's not going to help us until we pay back the athletes like he's some superhero and when really he's he's owed a thousand dollars and you know what I mean like we're this is a much bigger engine and yes I'm sorry it's unfortunate that he was caught up in it and yeah he's not any less you know, uh, owed or there's not, there's, it's not necessarily like the amount of money is really the, the, the main problem or even the main, uh, I guess, indication of, of a level of disrespect or loss. But the point is, is there are people with different intentions who have, and for AJ, I think his intention was to grow his own brand and to develop himself rather than look at it. And literally like a week before he took over our Instagram, I had talked to him and said, Hey man, this is the situation we're doing what we can. And even though we owe you this amount of money, I was treating him the same as anybody else that we were in that situation with. Um, But
0: but here's the thing, Hal. Here's the thing. It's Mm – I don't know your motivations. And to me, it sounds like your motivations, you you have a vision for jujitsu that you want to exact. And so I believe that. But if you don't pay AJ a $1,000 and whoever else and a show continues, I'm not suggesting this is what you were trying to do. But it feels like fraud, no, man. No, that's
5: not what we're trying to do. No, but it that's feel, not it what feels we're like trying it feels
0: like fraud to some of these guys and you can understand why they would have hard feelings. I'm not I'm not mad at a competitor for not getting paid, you know what I mean?
5: Absolutely. And and so I like for example, I didn't get paid for fighting Sakuraba in Japan. I didn't get paid. <clears throat> and that was a lot of money. <laughs> I can for believe me. it. Uh, of course, and it could be for anybody, right? It's all relative, but um, uh, it, it was, it was 70 grand. So I didn't get paid to fight Sakuraba <clears throat> and, um, <clears throat> it was devastating for me financially. Cause I put like, I went in like a year into like developing my training and like was all, but anyways, they, I never heard another word from them. Like they cut me off and it was like, that's it. They did another show. I never heard of, nobody from their executive team called me and said, Hey, look, we care about you. This is what we're doing. This is the plan we have. Like I didn't even get a word. So that's, that's one level. Um, And then another level is if they came back right now and said, Hey, look, we're trying to do this. And we see you like we care. And like we dropped the ball and we, there was things that you'll never understand that financially we went through, which now I understand as an event promoter and as somebody in show business, what can happen. And so now I can see that they could come back and say, Hey, look, essentially this is what we want to do. We want to give you 25% of your money, whatever it is. And we want to work towards something that can happen. Great. Like that's a different kind of relationship as opposed to, Hey, we took something from you, forget you. And now we're going to go try to do something in Japan and hide from you and act like we don't even that, that, that you don't even exist. That's not the case. So yeah, yeah I understand but, we put but out that, put but out how, like, how
0: like, how if I may, if I may the the nobility of your intentions, whatever they may be, does that really cover for financial mismanagement?
5: No, it doesn't. And so, yeah, we, you know, at the end of the day, like, yeah, you, you have to, and this is what I've been talking to my wife about a lot and like, yes, we have to do the right, we have to put in the right amount of effort and we have to put the right people in place and you, you can't, you can't allow these things to happen. So yes, there's no doubt that I let down the jujitsu community and I created a monster that I couldn't control. And it was a, it was a lot of, a lot of my own inability to grow a company and not have that experience. And like, there was a lot of energy for growth and there was a lot of potential that I just couldn't manage. And, and like where I come from, like with my dad's influence he ran the Gracie Academy for many, many years. And we grew up with that. Right. And that's a specific type of like service business where, you know, your, your, your whole life kind of goes into that daily grind and you have to be willing to kind of do whatever it takes. And you grab the mop, you grab the broom, you, you fold the towels, you teach the class, you should, you do everything. Right. And so we, we come from this idea that like, and I I have a lot of that in my dad where like you do everything and you're part of everything. And like I totally I completely burned myself out and I completely let a lot of people down by just thinking that I was being noble by participating in so many parts of the business that really I had no business doing, you know, and it wasn't and looking back. It's extremely irresponsible and it doesn't it doesn't really give honor to the, the, the whole the, the thing as a whole. And so yeah, that's that's now looking back, right? And seeing in hindsight as a human, like I have to grow, I have to learn, like where was my real error. And you know, it's easy for people to say, oh, well, your error is the is the entirety of it, when really like there there was additional aspects of this, Luke, that like like I had advisors, right? And I had people who were very smart who run other businesses and who are really high-level executives who could only give me a certain level of advice because we were, we were participating and we were moving on something that was so unique, you know, and had no real reference, you know, like it didn't have any reference at that time. And when you go from getting a certain number of pay-per-views to getting another number of, we we do two shows, we have two data sets for events. Right. And then we say, okay, well, we're going to do a third show. We have to be able to – and when we lose our investor after the second show, well, how do we create – how do we do this third show that we already had Hoyler and Eddie Bravo signed to and we already had made deposits for, which took like a whole year to process. But like how do we make this third show happen and actually make it happen and do it off of this like gut instinct, which we knew that what was correct – but we still needed to like present it in a certain way that people expected because we have this certain level of, of brand and quality and energy and momentum. So like really developing that off of a a data set of two events with pay-per-view streams that, that are, and those two events are completely different, right? So you have like Hadra and Bushesha competing and then you have Krohn and Aoki and then like you have, and then you have like, um, You know, so we had like price differences and we had like all these things that kind of made everything a different variable in many ways and and made it a more complicated data set. And so meanwhile, we're just like, all right, we're, we're becoming the data set in real time. So for us to be able to process that and say, okay, how do you approach this in real life when these guys have already been promised this amount of money? We've already made deposits. We have to make this event happen. And, you know, Metamore's three was like, we barely made money on that event. You know, like I didn't, we didn't pocket money on that event. So, and that was like the biggest event in jujitsu of all time. But like, so then the stress is like, all right, now we have Metamorph four. What do we do? You know, and Chael Sonnen versus um, Andre Galvan is a mm-hmm. huge, powerful event because Chael Sonnen was as, as controversial as he was, and he was losing Uh, the ability to be in the event because there was that whole mess about him testing positive and they wanted to cut him out of the grappling event and people weren't even sure if he was going to make it all of that drama helped and boosted sales and so and it actually helped us break even again so like that show was just as like did just as many almost numbers it did almost just as much as Hoyler and eddie bravo because of all the drama but then we're like oh shit so So there's just, it's such a wild ride. Like it was such a wild ride and there were so many like numbers and there were so many like things that were happening under the surface that we couldn't even anticipate. And like, really what I needed to do was step back and hire and, and raise like $5 million and hire like three top tier executives and be like, look, your job is to fucking make this work and do crunch all the numbers you know, run, you, you focus on athletes a hundred percent. And, you know, I'm basically just going to smile and wave and, you know, and reach out to specific athletes at different times. And that's it. All right. And so, so,
0: so Alec, uh, Alec uh, I got 10 minutes with you left. I want to make sure we use this as yeah. productive as possible. Cause I want to make sure we get to your vision for the future. Last lead question. The way,
5: sir. You All lead right. the way.
0: Thank you very much. The last question about your past, when I look back and I ask my other friends in Jiu-Jitsu about metamoris, I get two responses. Wow, they love the shows, all the highlights you're talking about, including that Eddie Bravo-Hoyler rematch, one of the all-time greats. On the other hand, it does seem to me there's just some brand damage baked in at this point. Why resurrect that name for all the good that there's associated with it, and I acknowledge it's real? There's a lot of bad, Halleck. There's a lot of bad. Why not just change the name and do something else?
5: Good question. Yeah. So for me, where I'm at in my life, again, like I said, I can just walk away from it. And the reason I won't is, and the the reason at this point I'm still fe- feeling into it is it's, it's, uh, it's chi, it's karma. And so I, I believe personally that there is a certain amount of energy And whether you call it good or bad, it's energy, right? And there's passion. And the fact that there are people who have been wronged and there is energy that could be ill towards the brand or towards me personally is, is meaningful and is something that ultimately if I have the ability to right those wrongs, if I have the ability to step into it and say, Hey, here, here's your money. We, after five years, here's your money for them to go. Oh, wow. Okay, man. All right. I'm not necessarily like super excited, but I, I'm I'm no longer holding on to something that I was holding on to in the same way with you. And I think that chi and that release and that movement is something that uh, or could ultimately be stronger than starting a new brand. And, you know, for me personally, I don't I don't have any interest in just starting a new it's not a business decision it's not like i need to make money off of this and that's my only objective and i'm gonna just hide out and do another brand and and pretend i'm not a part of it and let this one dissolve and pretend like nobody ever got paid and it's all good like for me there's nowhere to go and the objective is the same which is to make the impact that is i feel is necessary that is not being you know portrayed within the industry
0: all right so let's move to your vision for the future you had noted Uh, on Instagram, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I believe what I read was that you had called the EBI rule set a little gimmicky. Uh, I don't have a strong opinion one way or the other about the EBI rule set other than, you know, no, I don't have a strong opinion. I don't, but okay. What is it you want to do that's missing in the current marketplace?
5: Yeah. So uh, there's a huge gap in the quality of content that is actually educating and expressing the nuances and the beauty and the power of jiu jitsu there's a huge gap in the amateur to professional uh, development stage for all all athletes and for future athletes, uh, I can go into a lot of details, but there's huge gaps in all structures, all development, and a big part of the future of Metamoris is to really engage a lot of the newer. Uh, leagues and a lot of the newer brands that have been really trying to push. But if, if they're not connected to something bigger and we're not all connected to something bigger, there's not really an adequate funnel. There's not really an adequate opportunity chain for people who really want to make a life out of jiu-jitsu. So the goal is make a life to, for, for the guy, for the kid who loves jiu-jitsu in Alabama or in Australia to make a life out of jujitsu, and thinking through that entire process and making it possible and then there's the idea of just the the actual live event. And it's always something that I geeked out on, you know, and like till this day I have people who are like holic Metamorphs 3 or Metamores 4 or like being at your this event was the most it was the best sporting event I've ever been to in my life. Like in and, and I'm like uh what do I, what does that mean? You know, so I think there's like something that we did with the actual experience that makes that makes that gives more reverence and brings more excitement. And then you talk about like that, you know, going out and, and, and kind of, uh, uh, you know, in impacting the way that people feel towards you Jitsu, the way people want to compete, the way people are excited to compete, you know? And so there's, there's kind of those aspects, uh, mainly.
0: So, so are you looking to, to get some clarity? Are you looking to do events?
5: Yeah, we want, absolutely. We want to okay. do events. We want to do, we want to build. But it sounds like more the, than that the, too. Oh, it's absolutely more than that. It's content, it's events. It's, uh, it's the structure of the amateur development process and competition process. It's the actual, it's the schools, it's the teaching, it's the development of it. It's, it's everything, you know, and like, it, like Hickson and like Penner and like my brother, we're all, Every, we we all have this in our blood, and we have an energy where we have we co- like through generations, we have a, a an energy and a synergy for making bringing to light this experience of what jujitsu can do and what it means. And you know, and I, I don't think I'm exempt from that. You know, I think that's just part of my blood, and it's just part of what I'm what I'm going for, whether I like it or not.
0: All right, but the plan is first to. It sounds like, I, I hope, right the wrongs because there is no – I mean, you, you, for, no, no one the, would know yes. more than you. There is no forward without figuring out all that damage that's been done.
5: Absolutely. And and people, like – I mean, I, I, I guess I'm, I missed something or I didn't explain something well enough. Like, I don't think we can do another event unless we're good with all the athletes, like we, it just doesn't even, you know what I mean? So we're, Mm -hmm. we're not, we're at a point where all I'm saying is I see you. I'm not, I don't need to hide. Like I don't, the brand doesn't need to hide and we haven't filed. So like we're still here and we still know that there is energy there and we still feel obligated. And this is not something that I can just like, this is in my blood. So I'm not just some businessman who's like, gonna flip and move on to something like I can't do that I'm not that's not my process so for me this is jujitsu is life so forever I'm part of this and I feel that there is chi and I feel like we did something amazing for the culture that no one still to this day has done so I'm not And I'm not like in some illusional space about what I think I can do. I know what has been done, and I know we just barely got started, and that's what I'm feeling. And so I'm aware of the fact that we need very key people who are high-level people who care about jujitsu to say, look, I'm willing to give my time to this 100%, um, and we need money. You know, we need the financing. We need the resources and we need, you know, the support of the community. But I'm not expecting people to just be like, oh, we love you and it's cool and forget everything you did. No. we'll see what we do. See that we we take care of these athletes. See that we're willing to, you know, do the necessary steps to learn from our mistakes and, and right the wrongs, of course. Uh, but also know that and, and I'm hearing this from my from advisors who are smart people that I have in my network. I'm one of the most qualified people at this point to do this kind of business because of what I've been through. I'm extremely qualified. I have made more of the mistakes than a lot of people have made in terms of going through this process. I have data sets now that are more consistent and that are more, uh, you know, revealing than they ever have been. So and I don't take that lightly and I don't and I don't think like, oh, I just know everything now. Not at all. I actually feel like I know less. I've been extremely humbled by this process and you know, that's it, right? If we're not learning and growing, we're wasting our time. So, uh, yeah.
0: All right. Well, Halleck, I know it's a big challenge. I appreciate your candor. I could talk to you for another hour, but we just got limited air time. So we'll have to let's call it a it day. There. Let's
5: do it again. Cause I know you have more questions, so let's do it again. Whenever it's good for you.
0: Yeah, we will. Halleck, I appreciate your candor and your time today. Thank you. Thanks. There, so he, there he goes. Halleck Gracie. All right. Let's go to our uh, last guest of the day. But, or no, i got a couple more. What am I saying? I've got several more. This is, I'm, I'm an idiot. Uh, you know what? I want to make sure this guy is doing okay. I, heard, uh, I saw what happened in his last fight, and I heard about something. I wanted to check in on him. So let's go to him now. Uh, fresh face of the UFC, Mickey Gall is here. Hi, Mickey. How are you? I'm good man. What's up Big Luke Thomas? I'm all right, Mickey. Mickey, let me tell you while we're having this interview. Well, one, I, I always like checking in with you cuz you have interesting things to say. But two, I got a tip <laughs> about I got a tip about you. Um, I heard that you were really 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 sick uh after the fight and both before the fight and that you've been in the hospital this whole time. Is that true?
1: Uh yeah, I just got out uh yesterday. I'm I'm still in Vegas uh at a, at a Vegas hotel now. Uh, yeah, that was my first hospital stay. And, uh, so yeah, I had um, my my kidneys were failing. I, I honestly before the fight, I didn't really know. Um, but I, I could feel like once you know, I, I guess it, like looking back, you could tell a couple warning signs like something was going on. But it wasn't like I I went like I, I you know I didn't even go to the fight being like ah oh, f- you know fuck it whatever it's just kidneys like I I, I really didn't know. Um and then, but then i when I got in the fight i I was like zapped right away, yeah, like, I was like I was like i was just i was zapped i like I, I just i like I rewatched the fight, I'm like in slow motion, I remember like struggling for like balance, like just just trying to like stay like on my feet <laughs> it' was, like it was, it was crazy yeah i was-, you know, was I like, wa- what if I'm sorry, sorry I was just Go gonna ahead. say I
0: was watching it, Mickey, and I couldn't believe it like the, the you were so, and I'm not trying to be insulting. I'm just trying to be honest. You looked so lethargic in that fight,
1: dude. Yeah, I was. I I, I was like slow motion. Uh, it yeah, it's weird, man. Like when I when I walked out to the cage, like I, I thought I was like fine. Like I, you know, I I felt like some 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 pains and and stuff. Like like a little like almost like phantom like feelings, but like nothing where I was like. Uh, can you do like I had I, no question? I, I walked in the cage believing wholeheartedly I was about to go smash Diego Sanchez. And but it was like kind of like going uh going to my my warship, like my my guns were strong, my my shit, you know, I was good, I had good maneuvers, my my ship, but I had a hole in the bottom of the boat that I didn't even know about. And I get out there and I'm you know trying to fight, and I I, I like just taking like steps, like you can see, like, like even, I, I usually bounce, like when I like, I'm just like kind of just trying to keep balance, just standing there. Uh, yeah, it's it sucked. It was like um, my, you know, it was, it was terrible pain. I remember, like, what the f-? like, I trained so, like, I trained super hard, you know, do my conditioning, do everything, make sure nothing like that would ever happen. Uh,
0: so, so hold on, so yeah, here's I, what I, yeah, sorry I meant to cut you off, but here's what I was told. Just nah. so we can let the listeners know, I was told. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, that it was not a weight cut issue. That what you actually had was rhabdomyolysis, which a lot of uh, CrossFit athletes get. It's essentially this process where the body turns on itself from overtraining and you can get blood poisoning and all manner of different things. What what did the doctors tell you you had?
1: Yeah, I did have rhabdo. Um I did have rhabdo, but they also think uh it was you know, it was kind of like a perfect storm uh of like you know, drops in the bucket that made this happen. Like I I uh I was like my my stomach was a little off for, like, fight week. Like, I I had, like, some diarrhea when I'm supposed to be, like, cutting weight. Uh, and then you, I did the weight cut. And this weight cut was way easier than my last one. Like, I, uh, you know, I, I, I believe, like, sometimes you just got to put the pain in and, like, get through the weight cut. But I just what, it wasn't really necessary. I was, you know, singing having a good time, uh, got the weight off. But at one point I did, when I stood up, I, like, passed out. Mm. Um, which I didn't think. I didn't think you know at the time I was like, I don't know. Sometimes people pass out, I guess. <laughs> you know, oh. like, I I really didn't think I was. Uh, it felt like I you know got up. to uh, – It was easy to write it off. Like like everything that all like the warning signs. I was just like, uh, you know, nah my my stomach and like back, like my kidneys. I, like I, you don't know what a, a kidney feeling weird really is like. It's like I'm, I don't know, my back feels a little weird. Maybe just because I ate a lot of pasta, you know, trying to fuel up. Like oh, I passed out. But that's just because you know I got up too fast. I was a little lightheaded. Whatever, whatever. Um, you know. But yeah, yeah. Rad. Though sucks. Like all. Like the the uh, my past week. Like like from Saturday night to like Tuesday, I was in terrible pain. It's, what, it, what, it's you... like it feels like it feels like food poisoning on your stomach and on your back and like probably just like a little like a little worse. Like just constant, just aching, cramping, sharp pains.
0: Now, if you were mentally committed to the fight, but you knew you weren't feeling a hundred percent, was there ever a point where you were like, "I don't know if this was worth it" before the fight?
1: Hon- honestly, honestly, in in hindsight, had I like it, in hindsight, yeah, maybe I I, I would have said some of the doctors at least like tried to get my levels a little better. Um, but like it, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. But at the point, I was like, Psh, "Here, here it is. We're we're there." It's you know. I guess like the excitement of like, making the weight, and then like the adrenaline of fight day. I I had, I didn't know anything was wrong. I did, I didn't know for sure that anything was wrong. You know, I I I didn't. It wasn't like like I said, the warning signs weren't glaring. It, okay, it was, was kind of like under. Yeah.
0: So you're out of the hospital, which is great. What is the recovery like after the hospital? And I guess my two part question would be: number one, that, but two, are you now? Like for example, if you get heat exhaustion one time, you're susceptible to heat exhaustion much more readily in future times. So, are you more susceptible to now kidney or other kinds of ailments as a function of what happened to you?
1: No, no. Um, I so that's uh, that was one of the things I was big with, like asking the doctors, like going you know going forward, or is there any long term damage? Is there any? There, there's no there's no problems. I what I need to do is I just would need to just monitor. With like a doctor you know i have to go see a physician see like a nephrologist just just to make sure during like training camps when i'm going really hard that my levels are all good
0: okay now rhabdomyolysis when the crossfit getters or crossfit athletes get it they get it because they're doing way too much uh junior dos santos had it for a time as well i believe in one of his cane fights um and he performed poorly as a consequence so this there's some precedent for this did your training this time, was it really different than previous times where you had ramped it up, or how different was it?
1: No, it, it wasn't. I, I was doing, I was at this is a, the least overtraining I, I probably did in the camp. Uh, I, I'm a notorious overtrainer. Uh, I do, like I do, I, in the past I've gone, you know, probably too hard. But now, I you know, I've really, you know, t- I've taken to, you know, trying to be like a professional and making sure I get my the proper rest all that stuff. I so like I said, it was a real surprise. It was, I really, it was crazy, man. I, I remember like, like, I, no idea. I just you know, I I really had no idea, and it, and it wasn't like, you know, like the USC. They they have all the medicals, all the, everyone checking you. Yeah, I, 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 we all, you know, no idea. So it was fine. They do a good job of trying to you know make sure everyone's healthy and doing all right. It was just it was under the surface, you know. It was hard to. Hey, but it really, shit, shit, it got exposed in the
0: fight, it came that's, out. That is crazy. So how do you, how, okay, yes, you can get regular checkups, but from a training standpoint, do you have to switch things up? I don't mean leave camps, that's not what I'm saying, but I'm talking about the load right. or the way you periodize it. What has to change, if anything?
1: I just think I just, I just need to um, <clears throat> just pay attention to like my, just pay attention to like my my kidney function just to you know do blood tests and uh make sure my levels are, are all proper going forward I, I i really don't think it's gonna be a b a big uh you know have that big of an impact i think it, it you know it it its impact has has been had for the most part you know i had a shitty fight fight that you know i i, I should have won uh fight that you know was it was it was mine uh, you know i just needed to show up and i i didn't show, i didn't show up in the in the condition that i I intended to.
0: Is the UFC aware of your condition? Well, they must be yeah. now. But
1: yeah, yeah, yeah they, well, yeah, it's they, they were, they're were really cool. They were, uh, you know, stopped by the hospital. Dana White came through. Uh, yeah, everyone, has been great.
0: Okay, so that, they sound like they were, they were supportive. Do you have to go on any medication oh, as a consequence of this? I do not. No. All right, that's something not. as well. Yeah. Uh, uh, the the kidneys. Um, you had mentioned some other biological signs heading into the fight that were a little bit alarming. But aside from kidney pain, was there any other kidney indication um, heading into the fight?
1: Um, yeah, I'd say, like I said, the warning signals that I, I was able to like write off um, after after like weigh-ins. Um, and uh, yeah, I'd, I'd be happy to share. Just, you know, I, I'd, I'd like people to to learn from at least maybe my mistakes or, or whatever, you know, I, uh, so I definitely felt like, almost like, vi- like, almost like vibrations. almost like someone like playing an instrument on my, like it, like in my own, like uh, kind of on my back, in my low back kind of, I thought it was like, oh, I'm just maybe like whatever. It's just, I, I don't know. It was kind of like, I kind of felt that almost like a little phantom, like, like pickle kind of. And then, uh, um, so I, I think a big, a, Another one of the things, like, I it felt almost like I had to, like, that, like I was tr- having trouble digesting. Um, but I think that was like me just like feeling my kidneys kind of hurt, but thinking of like my body trying to like process, like, like I said, like the pasta and the stuff I was eating. Um, so that, that's, that, you know, pay attention if you're, if you're low, it's like your lower back's feeling like super weird. Um, and then the other thing was I did that I think that the doctor said was bad was I, I, uh, after being depleted and like down in weight, to help myself get back up and weight, uh, just like I did last time, take like a creatine, uh, like a good amount of creatine, like more than normal. And uh, but apparently, if you're like maybe not do that, because I, that's that's one of the things. Like I have a really good team around me, uh, and I stand by them. But we we just gotta we might have you know had a, a tactical error or something that was that this creatine could have uh, like pushed it over the edge a little bit. Um,
0: How many milligrams like were you taking a day?
1: Levels. I did. I, we did like like fifteen after the <laughs> like, like throughout the day um, of the way after the weigh in Oof, that is a lot. Yeah, but it you, not really like when people load up, they do more than that. It's I think it's a lot for you know for a dehydrated body. And then when I, I took like a nap, and it was where my back was like soaked to bed like two times. So like I kept sweating. Like I, I don't know. I think you know, is off, man. Hmm. It off, but correct me uh, if I'm, or, you know uh, yeah, yeah go ahead,
0: Correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't the daily intake for creatine five and then loading is ten milligrams, yeah, yeah, that's why I thought fifteen was a lot, but I guess if there's other conditions in yeah. play,
1: yeah, yeah, and I'm drinking like gallons of water, you know i yeah, I figured it was all right, but um you know that's something I'm definitely gonna I'm gonna have to examine.
0: So how how was the hospital stay? Like, can you? I mean, without getting too graphic, how was the treatment? You just had to rest. Did they have to? What, what did yeah, they have to do?
4: Well,
1: well, shit, man. I'll tell you. Saturday. So I stuck around and watched the fights um, in in the back room, uh, and like my my like I couldn't get comfortable. Like this is this is this is like after the fight. I was like pissed. Like what the fuck? How do you gas out, Mickey? Like this. Like that's crazy. Like that's crazy. Like, I even remember in the fight, like grabbing like uh kind of Diego, like put him on, a, on the wall and saying to myself, like in my head, to be like, what is going on with you? What are do you do? Like, Let's go Mickey Gall. Like what, what's going on? Like I, I thought I was just gassing and that, that, that doesn't happen to me. You know, I, like I said, I train. to my, you know, I obsess on coming in there top form. but uh so after the fight, I'm chilling out there in the back, like kind of down, like what the fuck? But I also like, I wasn't as depressed because like I knew my body straight up shut down. So like, it wasn't like I, I left anything. I, you know, I, I couldn't. So I'm lying back there, whatever. I keep derailing. Um, I'm lying in the back. I'm feeling like I can't get comfortable. I have like the pain in my stomach and my back. Pain in the stomach and my back. I, I you know, I try to eat a little bit. I, I throw it up. Um, I, you know, pain in the stomach and my back, pain in the and my back. Fights end. I'm like, yeah, there's something, there's something wrong. Uh, I think I got to go to the, they going to send me to the hospital. There's something, there's something wrong going on. Might as well just check it out. Uh, so I get in there. And then they get they give you um, this like c- this contrast that like is supposed to help. So they do like a CAT scan uh, to like see all your insides, make sure everything's good. And this contrast like fucks you up even worse. So I, for the next like three days, it was like like I said, like food poisoning to my front, my back, constantly. Just like oh man, it was terrible. I, I barely like kind of remember that, you know, yeah. having morphine up and stuff those days, but uh. Then, then Wednesday came around. It's gonna look better, Uh, You know, and it's kind of so good. My hospital stays aren't so bad.
0: Wow, that sounds like an, <laughs> that sounds like a crazy ordeal. You have a pretty good attitude about it in the end, I guess.
1: Yeah, man. You know, it's it's not bad, and and you know, I, I'm fine. I'm 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 lucky. Uh, you know, every, everything's fine. I'm, and you know, I I still I still you know I I love this life. I'm. I'm really, really pissed and disappointed the way the the, the fight went, but you know I, I couldn't represent so, you know all my skills. But you know I'm 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 grateful for this. I get I'm gonna get an opportunity to do it again soon. And you know I I, I love this fucking game. I love the shit.
0: So do you want another crack at Diego? Or I mean, because I mean, even if it wasn't really you, you got you know he got you got stopped. So do you want another chance at him, or do you want to move on to something else?
1: Um, I'd I'd I would mean, love it if he wanted to to do it again, but I'd I'd be surprised if if he uh you know, it's not gonna you know, I'd be surprised if he wanted to re up that. I, I expect to be fighting a new a new opponent. Yeah, you know, it doesn't matter. Uh, you know, Anyone anyway, seven seventy pounders, I'll I'll show what I could do. Uh,
0: when is it safe to get back in there?
1: Um, I'll probably take like a, another like week or two off. Um I'll be back training.
0: You're a savage, Mickey Gall. <laughs> You're a savage. Thanks, I'd be taking I'd be taking months off, man. But that's why I don't do what you do. So um, yeah, I guess so. Well, look, man. I am really sorry to hear you had to go through that. It, it did look weird watching it. I just didn't know if you were. I thought you were injured, like you had turned an ankle and you couldn't do road work. And that's why you didn't have much gas. I didn't know what it was to be honest with you. you no, know,
1: I, I worked. I worked real hard on, on, on the gas. I, you know, because I knew Diego. That's he's a He's a, you know, that that was. You know, he's like a stamina guy. All that. I just,
0: you know,
1: had some had some failing kidneys, bro. All
0: right. Well, look, Mickey, get rest. Get uh, get healthy again. It sounds like you're on the mend and on the, on the better side of things. I appreciate your time. I appreciate your candor, and uh, I look for a rejuvenated Mickey Gall next time you're out there. Okay.
1: Absolutely. Thank you very much. I appreciate it, Luke. Thanks for giving me the
0: space to talk. Of course. My pleasure's all mine. There he goes, Mickey Gall. All right. Man, that is crazy. (laughs) That is crazy, man. I don't even I'm like a little bit speechless by some of those details. All right. Let's go to our next guest. He is one of the top light heavyweights in the world. He's going to be fighting in his native Sweden in his next bout. There's a lot to discuss. Let's go to him now. Alexander Gustafsson joins us here on the hotline. Alex, how are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm doing quite well. Thank you for making time for us. Let's get right down to it. You're taking on Anthony Smith uh, in your next fight back in Sweden. Let's start with Anthony. Why is he the right fight for you next?
4: Not just fighting in whoever give me, um, you know he, he just had a fight in shape, uh, he showed some heart in his last fight with John, so I think it's a good matchup for the fans and uh, and they will see they will see a, a really good fight. you know he he has some good good uh, skills on his feet and good good uh, grappling too, so I'm looking forward to it. What did you make of his performance with John? Uh, you know, I'm not the right guy to to, to judge him when I just had a, I just fought John and lost myself. So, you know, it is, uh, you know, he just, he showed, he showed some heart and he he took some damage and just kept moving. So, you know, he's a, he's a warrior and, uh, and uh, yeah, I can't, I can't wait to, to, to have him over and give the fans a, a really good show.
0: So let's talk about the timing on this. You could have waited till summer, but this fight, if I'm not mistaken, is going well. It is a summer, I guess, June 1st. Is that the right time yeah, of you for between your last fight and this one? It's like six months or so. Sounds like a good rebound time.
4: Yeah, it is. I actually wanted to fight earlier than 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 this, but uh, uh, this was just uh, this was just uh, yeah the, the next the next one for me. So. You know, I'm 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 in training. I've been training for for for, for a while now, and uh, uh, I had some time off uh, after the John fight, and uh, I, I just held, healed up, and and now I'm ready to go. And it's in my hometown too, so it can't be better than this. All the other shows has been just a success, so yeah. How how
0: are you feeling about how the uh, your your fight with John went? I realize it didn't go your way. Uh, now that you've processed it. When you look back on it, what do you think? Uh,
4: no, it was a really bad, uh, really bad performance from, uh, uh, that I did, and uh, no, I, I just I wasn't myself really. I just went in, went in there, and uh, you know, I tried, tried to, you know, I tried to just stay to game plan and everything, but no, he just he just found a way very very early to 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 neutralize my game and uh, and it put me where he's strong and uh, yeah not so much more to say about that I think you, you saw the rest you saw
0: <laughs> yeah but so you didn't psychologically beat yourself up
4: over it no 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 it's all good <laughs> hey one second spot out spot, out. spot out. Uh, just one second uh one second sorry sorry it's okay can you call me out on money I have an interview I have to take
0: Sounds like an IKEA store.
4: Yeah, sorry about that. No. that
0: that's okay.
4: Okay, yeah. Where were we?
0: Basically, just that after the jo- Jones fight, it didn't go your way, but you weren't too uh, emotionally or psychologically troubled with it in the end.
4: No, I just I just hate to lose, but it's a sport, and John is is the best guy out there, and and uh, yeah, it's just, I, I don't know, it's uh, I think I could have done much better, but. Uh, uh, it is what it is and, and uh, I just I just can take it as a man and you know it's a sport and you know even if you lost even if I had my third title shot and I lost the, I lost the third one I, I'm i still not feeling bad bad about it or anything like that just you know I got, you know family moves uh, life moves on I got a family at home so I am just keep doing what I'm doing and take the next fight and the next fight after that and and start from scratch a little bit
0: so this Smith fight This is still for you the first step back towards the title opportunity.
4: Absolutely, yeah, yeah. But with that said, I'm not even thinking about the title anymore. I've been I've been thinking the title now for a very long time, and it's been just it's just been a a stressful thing for me. You know, I I, it's been there all the time around me. The title, the title, the title. It's been a a very long time between my fights. You know, I just have to sit, sit back for a while and 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 take this fight now and take the next fight after that and 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 be more active and and try to you know be a better fighter and uh, be smarter and uh, you know I'm still 32 years old. I'm, I'm I'm not see I'm I don't think I'm I'm old in the game yet. I I still think that I'm I have a lot more to give and I feel my body's fresh and I feel good, so I'm having fun do training. So I'm just taking this fight now in Stockholm and, and I beat Anthony Smith up and then we take it from there, see what what's the next challenge would be.
0: Fighting in your home country, is it the pressure good for you or is it bad for you?
4: Uh, it's good. I believe it's good. It's, it's uh, you know, I never lost in this arena, the globe. I think it's, uh, I think it's a really good arena. I have a good wife from there. Um, I have, you know, I've, what is it now? I have, I got, I got two wins there and I got one loss in, in Italy too. So I think, I think that' are with me and, uh, you know, having the fans behind me, is a really, it's a really push, you know, you have, the, you know, you, whenever you train and warm up for the fights, you have your, your friends around you, you have friends that will compete and, and we push each other. So you know, the, the the Swedes are going to war, basically, and uh, I can't wait to, to just be go be, be in, be in there again and and, and prove that I'm, that I'm better than what, what I showed the last time. So
0: this win, if you get it over Smith, yes, it's to get back in the win column, and yes, it's obviously to ascend the ranks, but it sounds like what you're saying is, I'm going to let the wins take care of the rankings for me. You just want to get better as a fighter and as a competitor. Is that a fair read?
4: Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. That's exactly how I feel right now. Uh, you know, I'm I'm am done, done thinking about. You know, I have to I have to I have to I have to move up to, to to be a title contender. I have to I have to stress. I have to. You know, it's, it's none of that anymore. I'm just taking one fight at a time and, and trying to fight the best guys and, and have fun doing it. And what do you, what try to do you, be smarter and better?
0: What do you think it says that you said you didn't feel like yourself when you fought John and Anthony Smith said something kind of similar as well.
4: Yeah. Well, I just didn't, I didn't perform like I used to. I didn't move my, I didn't have the footwork going. going and I have no excuses. It's not that. It's just like, you know, it, it was, uh, you know, I, I couldn't really, I couldn't really after that. When he, when he get, got me with that knee, I couldn't really, you know, find the rhythm again. I just, you know, I, I couldn't move like I did before. I just had a lot of pain uh, after that. And, and, uh, uh, I never had that type of pain in my, in my career before in a fight. I usually, of course, you have pain. You get you get shots from every from everywhere, and and you get you get back. You just keep keep pushing, but he just, just stopped me right there. And, and uh, I tried to kick. I try. I tried to move, working with my footwork, trying to like kick him or you know attack, be explosive. But none of that worked. I just I just couldn't with my with my groin and. Uh, and yes, yeah, so that's basically it. And, and it took me down. Nobody can hold me down. Nobody can hold me down. Not DC, not John. Nobody. When he took me down there, when he when he finished me, it, you know, I couldn't move because of my groin. You know, I, he just passed. You know, he just went to half guard and just went up and did the crucifix stuff on me. And nobody does that to me. But I wasn't hundred. I wasn't hundred percent. I just felt that I had so much pain in my groin that I couldn't really get back into my rhythm again. And with that said, I don't use this as an excuse or anything like that. He did what he had to do to beat me, and John is the best guy out there. So, you know, I don't feel, I don't feel, I don't feel like I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about that loss nowadays. It is what it is, and I'm just moving forward now.
0: Biggest challenge that Anthony Smith offers is what? Sorry? The biggest challenge that Anthony Smith offers. When you yeah. think about his no, biggest challenge is what?
4: Yeah, yeah, he's a he's a big hitter, and he has he, he has he has a lot of heart, and he has a lot of fights behind him, and he's very. He has, he's a guy with a lot of routine behind him, and it's, it's going to be a real challenge, you know. And and I'm, that's what I'm doing is to challenge myself, and you know, when I beat him, I'm going to just move in the rankings. If I don't beat him, if he beats me, then I, maybe I don't have it anymore. So so I just take it from there. Are you surprised
0: by his quick turnaround
4: that you mean that he comes back and fight again
0: so yeah like quick, so, so or, soon yeah uh
4: well, he's in shape, and uh, he feels like I feel like you know like he's uh he just lost and he wants to prove that he's better than 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 what he showed and he just want to get back to. Back to, to fighting fight again and win again. So so he's I think he's very he's in shape and I think he's he's ready for this and, and he's ready to to fight me and he wants to beat me. So so I understand him totally.
0: Well, we could talk to you forever, but we're a little bit short on time, Alex. We really appreciate it. It'll be June first at the Ericsson Globe Arena in Stockholm, Sweden. Can't wait to see it. Gustafsson versus Smith, the headlining bout for UFC Fight Night one fifty two. Thank you so much, Alexander. Talk to you soon.
4: Thank you. appreciate that. Thank you.
0: All right. There he goes. The great Alexander Gustafson. Really looking forward to that. Man, could have talked to him forever, but, uh, well, all in a day's work, I suppose. Okay. So how about this? We really appreciate you guys tuning in. Thanks to all the guests who stopped by and to everyone else. Uh, again, keep sending those tweets using the hashtag The MMA Hour. Keep calling us, 844-866-2468. We really appreciate you guys tuning in, and until next time, stay frosty.